Your experience at Joy Church will be unlike any church service you have ever attended before. We are not about religion. We are about a relationship with God the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. At Joy Church, you'll hear live and vibrant praise and worship music. You will be loved and encouraged. You will be confident that your children will learn about Jesus in a fun and safe environment. You'll be assured that your youth will be loved and accepted not only for who they are, but challenged to become who they were created to be. At Joy Church, God's Word is delivered through creative, humorous, and relative teaching that will help you apply the Bible to your life. There is a place here at Joy Church just for you, where you can begin to develop a vibrant and exciting relationship with Jesus Christ and discover your divine destiny. I find God's timing very wonderful because we plan this session. I write these teaching sessions uh, three, four, five, sometimes six months in advance. I watch a lot of people. God bless you. I, I get a kick out of, uh, of some of you say, well, now, Pastor, you need to be led by the Holy Ghost. And I agree with that 100%. But I think we sometimes limit the Holy Spirit to our little finite minds. And God sees the end from the beginning. He's so much bigger than we are and so much smarter than we are. And really what a lot of pastors say, well, I just came up with this the night before, the day of, and they, I, I was led by the Holy Ghost. And I think what a lot of people say that, they really just simply mean they are lazy and unprepared. Thank you for your enthusiasm. I've got messages written all the way through uh, November of this year, and I've got outlines for messages all the way through January of 2021. And it's because I'm constantly in the Word of God, and God's timing is impeccable. I wrote this particular series probably four or five months ago, but yet in perfect timing, here we are today. That's why I don't want you to limit this Holy Spirit to night before stuff. He's a big and wonderful God. And today we're going to be beginning a session called, and I love this, Bad Hair Day. Everybody say Bad Hair Day. And that's a funny thing, but I do want you to know the subtitle is what it's all about, how to turn your bad days, and that's what we've been in for the last two weeks, into your best days. Is anybody ready? This is very applicable to the time in which we live. It'll be a very shortened teaching session today. But within the shortened teaching session, it will be powerful and it will be helpful and it will be a timely word to everybody in the house. Are you ready? Anybody in the house ever had a bad hair day? I'm looking at you. Some of you got one right now. You didn't raise your hand. Come on now. You, you know, how, how many bald people in the house would just give anything to have a bad hair day? Just, I, I take it. Just if I had hair again, I would take the bad hair day. All right, I got some honest people. That's good. Thank you. I, I, I love my wife. She is so beautiful and so gorgeous, and she just ages so well. And I just, I look at her, and I just think she just looks so much younger than me, and that's why I really don't like her deep down. <laughs> She's a beautiful lady, but I will say, every once in a while, she'll wake up in the morning, and she will have this pointed hair. You know, she sleeps on this side, and then she sleeps on this side, and it kind of mats both together, and it's kind of like... I mean, you know what I'm talking about, like a bouffant, you know, right? And, and just the cutest thing, and, I, and when she wakes up like that, I say, honey, please, you've got to go in the mirror right now, and you've got to see what you've created overnight. <laughs> uh, how many know what I'm talking about? Uh, you ever been there? You have bad hair day? And it's like what happened in the middle of the night? There may have been some, just some giant cow that came in and licked your hair. It's like, who let the cow in? 
Me, on the, other, on the other hand, I rarely have bad hair. Does you know why? Because of the hairspray that I use. It's like ultra-hold glue for men. I, I, I mean, it's a really, really high-level thing, and so I wake up, and it looks like... I, this. My hair really hasn't moved since the sixth grade. You wonder why, Pastor, why don't you get with the modern times and have more of a modern haircut? No, I've had this since sixth grade. I'm not changing. There are certain things, this rapidly changing world, there's certain things that must remain the same. It is my hair. That is your stabilizer. If I ever come in here with a different haircut, know that all hell's breaking loose somewhere. And if you've never seen someone with a bad hair day, Check this out. Watch this. Thanks, Olivers. You're welcome, Mr. Stirp. The ride will be here shortly. My man! Looks like you've had a bad day, huh? You think? So, what really happened to you? I mean, honestly, I don't even know. I had this really romantic date with my wife last night. I sit on a park bench, I'm looking at the moon and the stars. I said, can I run my fingers through your hair? She said, yeah, that'd be nice. I don't really know what happened. As soon as I ran my fingers across her top lip, I woke up here. Oh, come on, somebody laugh, someone laugh, come on. You need to laugh at that joke. Let's take a look at our key verse in this particular series. I love this verse from Ephesians chapter 6. I have people still groaning, and we're going to the Bible verse. Ephesians chapter 6, and let's take a look here, please, at verse 13. This is very applicable. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. If there is any time to take unto you the whole armor of God, it is now. Notice here that you may be able to withstand the Greek word histamine. We get our word antihistamine from it. Literally means a covenant to resist, not just resisting for a moment, but a covenant to resist. Notice what it says that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Remember, say evil day. Evil day. What do you mean, evil day, Pastor? Well, when the tornado came, or now coronavirus. Uh, how many, how many, how many ex-sinners do we have in the house? You, you have a past. Your, your past. I was an alcoholic, checking IDs at a bar when I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I have a past. Corona to me means something other than a disease. <laughs> do, do, do any ex-sinners have any idea what I'm talking about? I'm not talking about for this weekend. I'm talking about that's something that I knew about 38 years ago. But I do want you to understand, ladies and gentlemen, that evil day is when negative circumstances come your way. And that's what this series is all about, helping turn your bad days into your best days. So let's break it down. We're only going to give you three today. It won't take long, but it will be very poignant and very powerful to you. Number one, I love this, recognize you might be heading in the right direction. You might be heading in the right direction. A lot of times I see when negative things happen to people. 
You know, the, the, look at the tornado that came through. You know, oh my goodness, was this God's judgment? Listen to me very closely. No! No! This was simply the cause of a cursed world, Romans chapter 8, 8 uh, 19 through 21. That's all it is. And many times, these negative things happen to us, not because we're doing something wrong, but we're actually doing something right. And we're so conditioned to look at ourselves and what have we been doing wrong. And most of that comes from the pulpit. And listen to me very closely. There is a time to, to check yourself, for me, for you, to examine yourself. First Corinthians eleven twenty eight. the Bible talks about when we have communion, that we should examine ourselves. There's a time, if there's something between me and God that I need to get rid of to confess and forsake, that we certainly should do that. But we've so conditioned ourselves because we've had erroneous biblical teaching that always it's something wrong. You did something wrong, and that's why this is happening, because you did something wrong. That is poor biblical teaching. Many times, negative things happen in your life because you're headed in the right direction. I have a ministry friend of mine uh, that I knew many years ago, has a huge ministry. If I mentioned his name, many of you would know him, huge ministry. Uh, the ministry has uh, he's located on about 1,000 acres. It's just a huge ministry, huge campus, huge facilities, and all of this. And he has a, a huge kitchen on his, on his facilities that literally feed, you know, a couple, 300 people. So it's a huge industrial kitchen. Yet that ministry, there was a fire in that kitchen, and the kitchen burned down to the ground. He had a pastor friend of his call him and ask him, listen to this, this is so sad, call him and ask him, what sin are you in that that happened to you? And how many know, ladies and gentlemen, with friends like that, you do not need enemies. Oh my goodness, that is such an erroneous biblical understanding of things. Isn't it possible that he was headed in the right direction, and this was simply an attack of the enemy that he needed to overcome. Think about it. Let me give you three thoughts that will illustrate that in a more clear fashion. We've already talked a little bit about it. Check it out. Number one, with divine opportunity comes demonic opposition. I've seen it over and over and over again. 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 9, the Bible says, There was a great door of utterance open unto me with many adversaries. That's what I talked about before. A, a biblical door is not a wooden thing with a knob. A biblical door is an opportunity. Jesus said in John chapter 10, I am the door. Well, what does that mean? That's your opportunity to get saved. You do realize that. In other words, if you're going to walk through the door of salvation, the only one that you can walk through is not Buddha or not this or not that. It's Jesus. I am the opportunity. That's what he said. So a door is not some kind of a wooden thing with a knob. It's an opportunity. And there are so many times when God has this door and we need to walk through and all of a sudden here's an adversary that tries to block you. And you've got to get past Goliath so that you can find your way to being king. Second thing that you need to understand is your enemies surface when you begin to make progress. I've seen this over and over and over again. I've had so many of you come to me and say, Pastor, I've been coming to Joy Church now for three months and I have been growing like I've never grown before. I came over from something, something church where all they taught was, you know, things from the internet and, and, and little poems and, and, and little social justice things and all of that. And I've been coming and now I'm hearing the word of God 
uh, for the first time, and I'm growing like a weed. But I must say, Pastor, ever since I've been coming to Joy Church, I have had one thing after another, uh, this opposition and that opposition, and I lost my job, and da da da. And, and what about that, Pastor? Your enemies surface when you begin to make progress. As long as you're over here at this church that teaches you nothing and you're not doing anything in the kingdom of God, the devil will leave you alone. You're, you're totally ineffective when it comes to his, you know, opposing him. But now you come to a church like this where you're hearing the Bible maybe for the first time and you're making a difference for the Lord and you're getting excited about God and you're out there serving meals in our mobile kitchen and you're leading people to the Lord and you're bringing them to church. Now all of a sudden you've got the devil's attention. Well, Pastor, I don't like that. Well, neither do I. But I'm not going to go back to spiritual inactivity. I'm going to say, 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. And I am not moving in this game of chicken. You're going to have to move. I submit myself to God, James chapter 4 and verse 7. I resist you, devil, and you must flee from me. I'm about to give myself an offering for this message. This is making me fired up. Third thing you need to know, if you've never had a head-on collision with the devil, chances are you're walking with him. It's only when you go in different directions do you butt heads. And so don't be surprised when you come up to new levels that there are new devils. So please know the opposition that many of you are experiencing is not because you're doing something wrong. It's because you're doing something right. Second thing we need to know, check it out. Remember that adversity is wisdom's opportunity. What do you, what do you mean, Pastor? I'm telling you, this, this message is so timely and so full of wisdom. Ecclesiastes 7.14. This was written by Solomon, the second wisest man ever next to Jesus. And I love this verse. It's an obscure verse, but it says this. He said, Solomon said, in adversity, watch this now, consider. In adversity. Adversity, consider. Everybody say consider. In other words, when you're walking through adversity, take some time to consider what can I learn from this? Even though God didn't cause it, what can I learn from it? Adversity is wisdom's opportunity. Let me give you some thoughts on this. This will clarify because really there's three ways that people handle adversity. And only really one of them is right. Let me, let me talk to you about them. Check it out. Number one, you can maximize it. If you're in immerse, um, uh, adversity, you could maximize it. Listen to me. That only makes it bigger. I am watching all kinds of people right now in this adversity. Just panic. And listen to me very, very closely. And I, I want you to hear this now. We are not going to stick our head in the sand. 
myself, my, my pastoral team, our staff, we're going to be very well abreast of the facts. We're going to be doing very well practically. We're going to be keep up to date. You can count on that. But in the same vein, I am not, now look at me now, I am not going to inundate myself with 24-7 worth of coronavirus, da-da-da-da-da-da, this just in. Because I can tell you right now, if you immerse yourself in, and again, I'm not talking about being ignorant or up, not up to date. We're going to be, we're not going to be ignorant and we are going to be up to date. We are going to be factually apprised. But I am not going to just glue myself to everybody that is panicking and look at all this for 24-7 and join in the panic fray. And you shouldn't do that, folks. Because it really is true what gets your attention gets you. What you continually mind, you will eventually find. If you look hard enough for Bigfoot, you'll see them everywhere. And again, I'm not talking about being some ignorant Christian. Hi, well, just all believe God. Come on. Hey, hey. how you doing? I'm not, I'm not talking about being some silly, toothless Christian idiot that doesn't believe in Germex or anything else. Could I have an amen? But I'm also not talking about inundating yourself with fear 24-7. This just in. Here's the newest count. I can promise you over the next number of days, the count is going to go up as the testing goes up. It, 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 the key is... We're going to stay factually abreast. We're not going to be ignorant, but we're not going to panic. Second way that people handle it is they publicize it. How many telling everyone about your problem will only perpetuate it? And again, we need to talk, we need to communicate, but we need to do it in a fear-free environment. And then thirdly, this is much more accurate in the way to do it. Analyze it. Extract as much constructive information as you possibly can from it. Remember the admonition, Ecclesiastes 7.14, in adversity, consider. And then if you do that, then this life point will take place in your life, and it's a powerful life point. What you learn from, you may not have to repeat. That's really good. What you learn from, you may not have to repeat. I watch the children of Israel, man, they did not learn. It was really basically about a 12-hour tour to get from Egypt to the Canaan land, but it took them 40 years. And the reason they had to keep going around that lather, rinse, repeat mountain is because they never learned from anything. I've seen a whole lot of Christians that way, haven't you? How many know there's a difference between a stretching mistake and a stupid mistake? A stretching mistake is anytime you do something for the first time. You're going to make a mistake anytime you do something for the first time. And if you haven't done something for the first time in a long time, then it's about time. Because you need to stretch. But listen to me very closely. A stupid mistake, that's a whole different thing. Stupid mistake is the one that I make over and over and over and over and over again. And how many know that is the definition of insanity? So in adversity, we have got to make sure that we learn, that we consider, that we analyze. Because adversity is simply wisdom's opportunity. And then lastly, and we'll finish with this, number three, and this is really very powerful. Check it out. Remain calm. That might sound like pretty simple advice, but can I tell you something? Remain calm. 
Let, let me give you this verse from Psalms 94 and verse 13 in the Amplified Version. Really, really exemplifies it quite powerfully, and I love this. Check it out. That you may give him power to keep himself calm in the days of adversity. Until the inevitable pit of corruption is dug for the wicked. In other words, so many times the wicked seem like they're doing well. But you, God wants to give you the power to remain calm. That's worth coming for right there. Now let me talk to you a little bit about this because this is really, really big. We've got to remain calm. Uh, I've seen people, anybody see anybody, just people panic in adversity? I mean, you, you just see it left and right. Here's a great example of remaining calm. Check it out. Okay, so just a little bit ago, I was at McDonald's drive-thru, and this lady behind me was furious. I was taking way too long to order. She was honking and like yelling out the window and stuff. I pull up to the first window, I get my order, I get it paid for, and I go ahead and buy hers too, you know, because obviously she's having a bad day. Some people really just need to work on patience. And as I pulled up, she was still honking and yelling, but the lady at the first window told her that I had bought her meal. Now all of the yelling and stuff has stopped now, and she has that look of embarrassment on, like after you just cursed at somebody, but then they bought your food. So when I give to the second window, I, I show the attendant I have two receipts that I paid for both of them, and I took my food, and I took her food too. Now, she'll have to even wait longer. Here, why don't you take her fish filet? I'm loving it. Come on, that's cute, you know it is. Way to remain calm and think. Let me give you five quick thoughts on that. Remain calm as we finish up. Number one, check it out. There is no perspective in panic. You gotta know that, folks. There's no perspective in panic. And I'm seeing so much of that right now. You'll never have perspective when you panic. My job as a leader and your job as a leader, and whether you realize it or, or not, as someone in the body of Christ, you are a leader. My job and your job is to get and give perspective. And it's going to take a little bit of time to do that. Second thing that you need to know, check it out, never panic about what God has anticipated. Yes. It wasn't like, oh, my goodness. Here's how God says it, you know, oh, my me. Oh, come on, you'll get that driving home. Oh, my me. No, no, all right. Oh, my me, he says. It's not like he won't. Oh, I didn't see this coronavirus thing coming. Sure he did. If you look at a Clorox bottle, literally for years on the Clorox bottle, it says it says kills coronavirus. We've known about this for a long time. Now, have we prepared proficiently? Probably not. But I do want you to know this did not surprise God. Come on. Never panic about what God has anticipated. And just because it shocked you doesn't mean it surprised God. Fourth thing that you need to know, check it out, God has never had an idea. I, every time I say that, and I've said it often, I get the same response. People are like insulted. What do you mean never had an idea? Listen to me. God, Isaiah 46 and verse 10, knows the end from the beginning. He is what the Bible calls all-knowing, omniscient. You ever heard that term, God is omniscient? It's, it's from a, two root words. Omni means all, uh, uh, ishent from science, all knowing, all knowing. God is all knowing. He's never had an idea. He gives you and I ideas, but he knows everything. 
from the beginning, he knows the end. So he's never had an idea. Well, I love your response. You're always so, you're always so good. Well, what? <laughs> I'm from Watertown. I got no idea what you're talking about. Number five, check it out. Nothing has ever occurred to God. He, he never woke up and go, you know, this just occurred to me. Hey, angel, this just occurred to me. No, no, he is all-knowing. Now, why do you say that, Pastor? Listen to me. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13, with every temptation, that Greek word is a Greek word that means every test, with every test, and let me say, every test includes coronavirus, there is a way of escape. There is a way of escape. There is a way of escape. That word way is a Greek word, odos, H-O-D-O-S, and it means road. There is a road out. You ever just been somewhere and you're, man, you're looking for a road out, driving through Watertown? How do I get out of here? Give me a road out of here. Listen, there's a way out, folks. There's a, there, there is a way out. There is a way of escape. Psalms 34 and verse 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers us out of them all. Now, you're not going to hear this at most churches. You're, 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 you're going to hear most churches, they're going to teach you how uh, uh, to simply, as your Titanic sinks, for, how to you, for you to rearrange the, the deck chairs and smile and keep playing your instrument as your ship sinks. That's not what we teach you here. Right. We teach you how to be delivered from the Titanic. Because that's what the Bible teaches. Now, are we going to do practicalities? We, you already saw them. We're going to do all kinds of practicalities, and we're going to continue to do that. We're a very, very balanced church. But I do want you to hear your pastor. I want you to understand that God wants to turn your bad days into your best days. And I want you to know, yes, yes, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Yes, there was an awful tornado. Yes, we're dealing with the coronavirus. But the Lord delivers us out of them all. Can we give God a big thanks? Come on.